This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I am fired up for today because we've got a fantastic episode for the VREP community. We've got Cam Good. He's the president of Key Marketing and Nick Campbell, VP of Operations at Key Marketing. This was such a great conversation having both these guys in the studio. For sure. The amazing thing is we're in September. Yes. I had a very nice day when they were in the studio, Cam basically <laughs> took his shirt off. It was hot. It was you hot know, in here. If there was any takeaway for me, it's that I should be installing fans in what is now becoming the permanent podcast studio in the Canby Corridor here. <laughs> this is a great conversation though. We, we cover why pre-sale could be the best investment in real estate. Uh, we talk about the third fastest growing market and municipality in Canada right now, which is super exciting. And then of course, how to get VIP access for pre-sale. So how to get an edge, uh, a competitive edge on the competition when buying pre-sale in a time like now where it is super competitive to buy a pre-sale condo. Yeah. We talk about why pre-sale is so busy, what that means for the future of the market. The other thing is, especially, you know, Nick is a super insightful guy. What I really liked about Cam is his long track record in this market, right? We yeah. talk about the the financial crisis of 2008. We talk about COVID and how those interrelate and and basically a trajectory from 2002 in real estate. Right. It's a great conversation with predictions on the market, areas that are very exciting. 
and the pre-sale opportunity that it is very, very interesting as well, but For we'll, sure. we'll leave it there. But that's actually why, because we were we wanted to release this episode this week and get it out because of the pre-sale opportunity, mostly because they're going to be launching towards the end of the month and they're having previews uh, coming up. So this is, this is something that we're kind of really excited about. So we were going to have Brendan Ogmanson from BCREA on this week, but we've actually moved him to next week because it's a bit more evergreen. So we're excited for that episode coming up. But today's episode, Timely, does not disappoint. That's right. Timely, we want to get this opportunity for this pre-sale in front of the VREP community. The previews are next weekend, the weekend of the 18th, 19th. Right. Uh, so definitely get on the live wire if if yeah. you're if you're interested in in this project at all. And uh, and yeah, just one more thing about Brendan Augments, and that is a banger episode. Wow! Uh, next week, stay tuned. I, I, I was can't so wait. excited to release that this week, but then this opportunity, you know, yeah, we we got to get this in front of. People. And this is a great. This is these are two guys that operate in the pre-sale market, so it's all things pre-sale. And man, some great insights out of today's conversation. Radical honesty. Wait for it. Wait for Wait it. For it. <laughs> but Matt, before we get to our conversation with Cam and Nick, what else do we got? What else do we have? We have Oakland Realty, our sponsor for this week and all weeks of the podcast. If you're a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, head over to oakwind.com slash join. Type in VRP2020. That is oakwind.com slash join. Type in VRP2020. You'll meet up with Michael Morgan and the gang. That in and of itself is a useful thing to do, I would say. For sure. You were just talking to Michael. I was talking to Michael yesterday. Always, uh, we have our um, every quarter kind of, I think about quarter, every couple months, we sit down and uh, have a bite to eat. And uh, I take a lot away from the conversation. I'm not so sure he does, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I pepper him with as many questions as I can. And then uh, we call it a day. These are very useful uh, These are great people. And Typing in VRP 2020, you get a huge incentive as well. Oakland.com slash join VRP 2020. But Adam, maybe we should cut to this talk with Nick Campbell, VP of Operations at Key Marketing and Cam Good, President of Key Marketing. This one doesn't disappoint and there is a huge project coming up that is very exciting. Yeah, this one's fantastic. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Cam Good, President of Key Marketing, and Nick Campbell, VP of Operations at Key Marketing. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having us here. Yeah, doing great too. Thanks so much for taking the time, guys. Maybe can we start with Cam? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, happy to. I'm, uh, I'm Cam Good, uh, founder of Key Marketing. And first and foremost, I'm you know, husband and dad. Got two kids, adopted kids, 10 and 6, Max and Liv. We live in Edgemont Village and have... Uh, Great life there. Spend summers on the Sunshine Coast mostly, winters in Whistler, and uh, that they're my number one priority. And I'm just super excited about that job first and foremost. And with the rest of my time, you know, staying fit, healthy, so I can live to 100 and uh, <laughs> having fun in real estate. Nice. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Nick Campbell, a VP Operations at Key. Been with Key for around five years now. Uh, love real estate. I'm also a realtor, but um, mostly just you know running the project marketing operation now. I live and work in Gastown. It's a little uh, a little bubble of mine. I, I love it. Yeah, I live there with my girlfriend and our little four pound Chihuahua, little Bean. She's great. Yeah, I guess I'm just super focused on uh, Key these days. Just got back from Yale, BC. It was a super fun time. A little uh, Airbnb getaway last weekend nice. uh, before the end of the summer. You know, get a hold of, um, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah. 
And are you a biohacker too, trying to live to a hundred? No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll die much. I'll die before Cam. <laughs> so Cam, you know, you, you've been kind of a staple in the industry in Vancouver for a long time uh, for real estate. Why real estate? Like, how'd you get into real estate? I got into it originally through investing. You know, my dad was a lawyer and I was in high tech. I was an entrepreneur in high tech and having kind of moderate success, honestly, and kind of entered the wrong part of the industry and mostly support of office networks and data recovery and and service side. And I figured out how to flip a condo before it was a very common thing back in 2000 and maybe two or something like that. Around that time, a buddy of mine from high school named Jason Crake talked to me about going into business with his boss, who at that time was a guy named Cam McNeil, who's another leader in our industry. And um, he was talking to me about being in business, partnership agreements and incorporation and their plans. And, and, and that was 2000 and maybe one when that started, I think. And, uh, and by 2004, I was sort of figuring out my exit out of tech. I turned my company into a nonprofit cooperative like Mountain Equipment Co-op and gave it away to its employees and its customers. And uh, told Jason, I'm coming to work for you. I, I don't care what I got to do. I'll sweep the floors. I'll do anything. I, I just love what you guys are doing. I just want to be part of it. And that was how I started in 2004. Wow. And we should say uh, Cameron McNeil, friend of the show. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. Ask us fan favor. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. How, how about you, Nick? How'd you get your start in real estate? Before real estate, I worked in uh, oil trading in Calgary. And so at the time, oil was 104 a barrel. And uh, it soon started to tank in a very big way. And so I realized, very, very junior at the time as well, so I'd be the first to go. So I decided to move back to Vancouver and um, got my real estate license. You know, it's the thing to do at first. Uh, I did always have a passion for real estate in that sense, uh, architecture and just, you know, I always want to live in the big city, uh, you know, growing up in the suburbs and whatnot. And so I did that. And, you know, during my license, I uh, wanted to get you know, some experience in the real estate industry any way possible. So maybe an assistant or, uh, you know, something, I'll do anything. Uh, so one day I'm on Craigslist and I see a, um, it's for project marketing. I didn't really know what that was at the time. And uh, it says to work a call center. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what a call center is, but sure, why not? Uh, you know, real estate, you talk on the phone, let's do it. And so, you know, send them a quick email, say, okay, I went, uh, you know, business degree, so on and so forth, getting my license. Oh, great. Can you start next week? I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was speaking to a past member of a key marketing. And so what I did, they just, they sat me down in this back room, get up on the CRM. They're just like, okay, you got to call like this hundred people a day for the next 10 days for this real estate event, for this project up on, uh, I think it was West Broadway. Oh, and and realtors. I, yeah. Yeah. Calling realtors to like come down to the, you know, come down to the presentation center. We're going to have right. wine and cheese and, you know, the, the yeah. usual stuff. I was like, okay, this is great. You know, bright eyed, bushy tailed and everything. And I just really committed to it. You know, I was actually trying to hit that, you know, hundred calls a day, just eat the phone. And, um, it worked out well. Like they, you know, Cam was super open and they next day they said, Oh, Hey, how about you come join our morning, you know, our morning huddle meeting? I said, Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, a little nervous, but, um, you know, I'm talking all day to these new people. So, I feel more comfortable in my skin here. And um, yeah, from there, I, I did a good job. Did that for two weeks. And um, I think about six months later, they had an opening for a market analyst role. 
And then so I jumped on that. I had prior experience. I was a crude oil analyst back in Calgary. And so, um, you know, I did the whole process with Cam, multiple interviews, and um, it just kind of worked out and uh, joined Cam working uh, business development, supporting our marketing team and, mar- and our sales teams just on data, pricing models, all of it. And from there, I just, you know, I really grew with the company. Yeah, he's the now the living, breathing embodiment of he being a meritocracy that his performance has led him from call center five and a half years ago to uh, now a vice president level at, at 27 and um, in charge of people uh, twice his age. Wow. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> I'm kind of interested. So, you know, going back, Cam, to the idea of, so it sounds like you got into real estate kind of flipping condos early on you knew some other people in the business. It sounds like the business end of it kind of really fascinated you. How did you go from, from kind of flipping a condo and, hey, let me come sweep the floors to key marketing? What's, what's the trajectory there? Yeah, the, uh, you know, my first thing I ever did, I didn't really own real estate, but I did flip this one condo. It was my first ever real estate kind of transaction. And then I did convince uh, Jason to hire me at his hunting cabin on a sort of a weekend trip. And, and uh, my now wife was there and I had the big pitch conversation with him. And, and he gave me all these reasons why it was a terrible idea. We're buddies and, and what have you ever really sold and all these sort of roadblocks. And it was, it was probably looked demoralizing because my, my wife said after like, how do you think that went? And, uh, <laughs> And I said, I think it went great. And she laughed and said, why? I said, well, he didn't actually say no. You know, he just threw up a load of roadblock, a lot of roadblocks. And eventually I talked my way on to uh, a junior role on a sales team selling a project for Anthem, who was their client at the time and, um, and just worked hard. And it was a great company. And, and um, my performance allowed me to get an opportunity to compete for an opportunity to lead sales 11 months after joining. And it was an awesome experience until uh, the sort of economic meltdown in 2008. By that time, I was uh, becoming a partner. And the deal that we'd made to make that happen in kind of 2007 obviously fell apart in 2008. Just the economics just didn't make sense. And uh, we ended up collaborating together 50-50 on a program called Mac Bulk, which was very successful in 2009 to get people to buy condos in a market that was free falling at that time. And uh, on the heels of that great success, you know, our business together was done and Cam McNeil went off to uh, take Mac to now MLA where it is today. And, and I started key marketing in 2009. So maybe transitioning a little bit here, key marketing has been around from 2009. I'm curious to hear kind of how, how things have went over COVID. I think that's kind of the next, since 2008, the next kind of big shock to the market, but, but maybe just as a, as a starting point, what markets are you guys active in and, and how is the pre-sale market in, in the last couple of years? Uh, well, we are active in BC and BC only right now. One of our past clients, Ani, uh, we sold um, about a thousand homes for them in Ontario at one point, um, but now it's, it's all BC for us. And uh, it's been, you know, we've been around 12 years now and it's been a great experience. I've learned a ton so much, partly in thanks to learnings through EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, been very active in that organization and, and with a bunch of business owner peers, been extremely supportive. And we're on an amazing trajectory. We have an amazing team and um, our values are clear. We have three company values, which we talk about every single day. We hire and fire based on it. First one is passion. 
there's just no faking it. If you were not passionate about this business, you will not succeed at key. If you don't get really energized about impressing your peers on the team, um, your clients in the industry, if you don't do it because you love it, if you're just doing it for the money or, or for some other reason, it's just not going to work out. And the second one is called speed of trust. And that's all about radical honesty, which is something we practice every day. It's shocking. It takes getting used to or <laughs> new employees for sure, uh, even clients. But once people are used to it, it's amazing. There's just no BS and there's no time wasted wondering if what you're hearing is true. Nobody that works for Key would ever pretend that a hair appointment was a doctor's appointment. Uh, nothing like that would ever, ever happen. And clients learn trust that we're telling them is the raw, honest truth that there's no gaming, there's no client management happening. And once we get to that level, which happens pretty quickly, uh, we can get amazing results. And, and our third company value is called Kaizen. It's a Japanese word. It means constant incremental improvement. We practice it every day. We're obsessed with innovating what we're doing to try to get competitive advantage and get the price performance that we're looking for. Radical honesty in the workplace. That would never work in our workplace. It would just be us body shaming each other for, <laughs> for hours on end. But uh, no, that's, those are really three strong pillars to operate on. You can imagine how radical honesty just cuts all the crap, right? It's just... It gets it, the efficiency, it kind of, they all tie in together, right? It's all about team building. You know, we're, we're in the team building business. You know, we are a team. We have teams within our team. We build a team with our clients. Uh, we build greater teams with our realtor partners, with our suppliers that are developing the creative assets for our projects and great team building. The foundation of a great team is trust and you can't have trust without it. And once you have trust, that's an excellent foundation that becomes about leadership and efficiency and cooperation and communication, all those other things. But trust is definitely the foundation. Right. And, and this radical honesty idea, I'm just interested in that going a little bit further with that, just because in, in real estate, I feel like anyone listening that is maybe not in real estate, they would think radical honesty is almost the antithesis of the real estate industry in some ways, at least by, you know, reading the newspaper, let's say. Do your clients or new clients, are they kind of shocked by, by the way that he approaches everything? Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, actually, we just came from a business development meeting earlier and shocked them with it. And it's, um, it's honestly kind of fun. You know, it's, <laughs> it's fun to uh, uh, shock people. It's fun to give them straight and direct answers and, and to see their reactions and and what I like even more than that is I like seeing their response. They actually like it. I think people are so tired in this industry, in this business, for sure, and in the world in general with BS. I don't think anybody wants to be lied to. I certainly don't. I actually really hate it. I probably have an issue, you know, and, <laughs> and I, I don't want anyone lying to me ever, even about a small thing. I think it's very insulting. So I create an environment of high level of trust and radical honesty where people can tell me my idea is stupid or that there's an issue over here about something I'd said or, or something going on and I, and they just want me to know and, and keeping it a secret is, is kind of dishonest. It, it works amazing. And, and we have so much energy and trust and collaboration. We're getting amazing results from it. Yeah, it becomes your competitive edge. It absolutely is. We're yeah. in the people business and, and it's about leadership, team building and strategy and momentum. And, and we have a lot of it. I love it. Um, so, so actually, let's go back to the to the question I had before then, and that's actually a great preface to how is the market? Market's amazing, you know, and uh, you know it it got wild there, you know, with COVID, obviously, and it was terrible. Luckily, we had good foundation. You know, I've talked 
enough about the values. And that's the most important thing. Also, I was previously in high tech and lured into real estate through the sort of scale and the permanence of it. It's, it's, I'm a social person. It's super fun to be in this business in this city. I mean, second only to maybe the Canucks. It's like the second most popular thing to talk about at parties. <laughs> yeah. um, it you just know, edged out weather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back when he used to have yeah, parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We also had foundation in, in tech because it's sort of where I'm from. And so that prepared us well for this terrible pandemic. You know, we had a strong team and culture and values, and we had this sort of uh, comfort level and foundation of tech, obviously Zoom and all the things that have become extremely important. But yeah, the first part of the pandemic was uh, just about survival. It was really bad luck for us. You know, we have... Um, our bigger competitors in the industry have been around 20 to 35 years. They've had, you know, years of up markets and growth and, and to be really successful in our business, you need to have the right number of projects in the right market at the right time. And they've had that, you know, more than once And 2020 was our turn. I think we had 16 launches scheduled for that year, which turned into four, something like that. And it was, yeah, it was, it was about, it was about uh, survival, to be honest. And, and we did continue to work hard. Our company slogan, you know, we're called Key. And our company slogan is open every door. And it means like overturn every stone, like create every opportunity, continue innovating. That's what it means to us. And we continued to do that. And we did actually launch a couple of projects in the pandemic that were pretty successful. Right, Nick? Yeah. So, you know, last March, you know, everything went down, uh, as, as you could say it. And, uh, you know, we trudged along, we had a few projects that and developers who wanted to still launch in 2020. And, you know, the way we look at a project, it's never a no or a yes, we got to see. It's always, it depends. Things got a little better in the summer and we felt more confident. So we decided to take uh, both our Loma project, which was located in Millardville in Coquitlam, and our Canby Corridor project, Voice, uh, to market. Very, very scary times. Um, Loma was the first tower to launch post-pandemic. We're still in it, but you know what I mean, right. since it started. And to get there, you know, we, we had to spend the money. We have a beautiful two-level presentation center. Let's show everyone everything. Let's give people space. You want a social distance, you can have a whole floor to yourself if you'd like. Uh, and that really helped us out in that regard. And we had great success. We were able to sell out that project. Uh, we launched in August and we were sold out by the end, uh, by December. And as well for voice, we had all of the, the developer's targets. He wanted to feel very comfortable that we could sell 25% of the building right off the bat uh, before uh, dropping disclosure, you know, legally allowed to sell. So we were previewing, previewing, and just making sure we were super confident in that result. And we, we managed it. And that gave us that, um, the battery in our back per se, that, okay, we can manage uh, selling in COVID. Of course, with the protocols, sanitizer, masks, everything, a uh, lot, lot of private appointments. And, you know, we tried different things, whatever the, really the buyer was comfortable with. And that both those projects gave us a ton of confidence to move forward. And uh, going into 2021, we felt very, very strong about this. Um, you know, we had more projects coming up. Specifically, the first one was Belvedere. So we were launching even uh, larger high-rise than Loma. And then this one... You know, COVID is kind of, you know, we you watch it every day, right? Like how many cases, this, that, and the third. But again, big presentation center, lots of room for people to move around. Um, but we could feel the hype. You know, the pent-up demand story uh, is, is true. People, you know, they were able to save and there wasn't as many um, projects on the market. And this gave us a huge um, opportunity. 
And and for our listeners, Belvedere is a project located uh, in the Surrey Center. Surrey Center. Okay, yeah. and you have this one Melrose coming up as well. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And and so and and can we talk about that that pent up demand? Like who who are the buyers you're seeing? Is it primarily investors? Is it end users? Is it is is it a good mix? I would say it's a, definitely a good mix. Looking at the uh, Surrey market specifically, we're seeing a lot of families uh, investing together. So you're seeing multiple generations. You're seeing, um, you know, the 20-something. They wanted to get on that property ladder. And you're seeing their grandparents and their parents helping them out and uh, buying one or two units almost as a team, per se. You know, they believe in the project. They believe in their community. And that's just one of the best things about Surrey is that we're not looking outward to find the people who want to invest in the community you're looking at people who've lived there for 20 plus years and like that's where their home base is so we're seeing a lot of that you know a lot of working class people too like not um, not just the peer you know investor per se but people who really want to get on the property ladder and uh, invest in their community it's all locals that's what i love most about it you know one if i love this business but the one thing i like the least about it is the foreign investor conversation and being part of that, the foreign buyers. And I don't like being part of that. I don't like being a, a, a bad guy in this industry that's facilitating sales to foreign buyers. And it doesn't sit well with me. And what I've loved about the pandemic market is just taking away all the foreigners out of it. You know, it is new immigrants for sure, but it's all 100% locals. And I frankly love the new immigrant story. Like I've, I've met buyers who talk about, you know, how they've come here with nothing and work two jobs to save up enough in seven years to make a down payment or be able to make a deposit to buy a pre-sale. And, and that's how quickly they go from literally zero to getting onto the property ladder and, and sort of, you know, staking a claim in Canada and, and getting their start. And, uh, and others that are on sort of a second round of success, telling stories about their dads working two jobs when they came here and the sacrifice and the struggle. And now they're at this level. I, I love the Canadian immigrant story. Yeah. And that actually speaks to, to Nick's point. It's interesting to think of kind of families strategically buying, you know, with multi-generations involved. It's not the traditional way that we think about real estate, but everybody's, I feel like the question you always get in in the real estate industry is, Who's buying? Where are they getting the funds from? Like as if there's, you know, this secret, uh, there's, is there's, it's foreign money if it's not foreign buyers, that type of thing. But actually this, what you guys are seeing is actually speaks to kind of that immigrant story, the, the ingenuity of, of kind of making it work. Absolutely. So in kind of thinking about, I, I'm curious because you guys were, so in March, through even towards the end of the year, it was a scary time uh, thinking in 2020 during the COVID period. What gives you kind of the bedrock confidence to, to move forward with projects and, and how did you deal with that? Like in thinking about spending a lot of money on a presentation center, like there's a, a big, huge marketing rollout here that needs to take place. Like wh- what gave you the confidence to, to push through that period? And our part of this business, there's a a balance between art and science, I think. There is some science to it. You know, there is data, there's things that we can look at, uh, we can test the market. Um, we work a lot with realtors, almost all of our buyers come in with agents now looking out for their best interests. We can talk to them about what they're hearing from their clients and learn a lot from that. Primary research, call it, and a lot of secondary data, all that stuff's available. And the art side of it comes through experience and intuition and just a feeling that you get. 
And the combination of those gives us the confidence to be, you know, 100% successful with our projects all the time. And, uh, and I don't know what the magic recipe is for that combination, but it, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like this balance. And I'm perhaps, you know, the art side of it. And Nick is perhaps the science side <laughs> and, and sort of with lots of people falling into one camp or the other on our greater team. But that's what works for us. And we have a relentless sort of work ethic towards opening every door or turning over every stone where we're, we're testing everything. Um, you know, although we're innovative and creative relatively compared to some other people in the industry, we're not flying by the seat of our pants. You know, innovation isn't about just being wild and doing whatever you think might possibly work. <laughs> for us, it's about, you know, creating collaborative environments where people feel safe, brainstorming, generating amazing ideas, analyzing, testing, and then going for the one that's going to give us the greatest chance of success. For example, uh, Q5 was a scary one. We launched a project in Surrey for the insurer called Q5. And right as we were committed to launching dates out there and everything, it was ramping up. I guess it was the third wave in Surrey, which was the hot spot at that time. Oh, right? yeah. It, it was a scary time. It's like specifically targeted. Wally is a, you know, a high concentration area, which our project's located uh, right in the heart of that, 108th and Wally Boulevard. Um, but, you know, we were ingenuitive and very, very innovative with uh, how we approached the problem. Yeah, it was just hard work. I mean, it was a lot more work to bring everyone in individually with their agents to have a private tour and, and figure out who the buyers were going to be for every home. And then at the end of the day, we sold out the project in one day with nobody in the sales center. <laughs> it was bizarre. It, everybody bought that real estate that day from the comfort of their living room. And uh, it was a tranquil, strange environment with the developer sitting at his computer. Except <laughs> you might his not offers. want to go back to the the old way. I don't know. It was it was <laughs> it was different. It was different. I like the old But way. the the amazing thing is the I think what surprised a lot of people is over COVID, like you said, March, April, May, twenty twenty is scary times. During the third wave, you're marketing something in the basically the epicenter of BC's COVID. Uh, wave and the demand you sell it out in one day like the demand it, it, does that ever surprise you that the demand has been so strong throughout this process and actually piggybacking on my own question like cam especially because you've been you know you went through 2008 2009 that you know we didn't see kind of the collapse that other markets saw like does that kind of influence the way you're approaching COVID or, you know, it's kind of a jumbled question, but yeah. I guess thoughts. No, I, I understand what you're asking. And, and to be radically honest, I, I have been surprised by the market, pleasantly surprised. If I said I knew this was going to happen or it was going to be this strong, I just wouldn't be telling you the truth. And uh, um, I knew we could launch projects successfully if we did it certain ways and, and we were, but the demand has been amazing. And I love the buyers. I absolutely love them. I love the Vancouver market. You know, it does, it is one of the best markets in the world. Um, real estate is the best investment in the world long-term. And uh, Vancouver is an excellent place to buy. And the way that BC, Canada, Vancouver has sort of been portrayed or the way we've survived the pandemic is only uplifting our brand globally. There's going to be more people that want to move from all over the world to live here. And once they're allowed to come, you know, we're going to see the demand continue even more. So I'm extremely happy for the locals that were already here to have some breathing room, to have a chance to get into the market. And uh, we're seeing so many first-time home buyers and so many people upgrading their home. 
especially through pre-sale, you know, they've spent way too long uh, with their spouse in their studio or, or in their small one-bedroom apartment. And, and we're seeing unprecedented demand for two bedrooms and larger homes, which is fantastic. A lot of people moving up, a lot of first-time home buyers getting in. I just love it, but it's been pleasantly surprising for sure. So we, uh, it sounds like we're covering some of the driving factors of this latest kind of demand for the pre-sale market, but can we talk about some of those factors? So clearly I think when immigration starts to come back in huge, huge numbers, we're going to see a lot of interest in pre-sale, but what do you think is driving the demand in the pre-sale market? And is it the same thing that's, that's driving demand in the resale market? Not exactly. You know, I, and I'm not an expert in resale. We look at it, it's actually quite often a leading indicator for us, but presale is different and it has evolved over the last 20 years for sure and longer. It's become much more commonplace. You know, it, it was probably a, a wacky idea a long time ago and now it's quite commonplace. Almost everybody understands what it is. It's very easy for people to buy presale. Uh, it's not complicated. You know, we make it extremely easy. And also the way that it, it has this time factor, which is helpful. You know, it takes, you know, you make a, a deposit and then, you know, you generally have two years, sometimes four years, depending on the building, until you make more deposits or finish making your deposits and then complete. And that works for people. You know, real estate is a long-term plan. So um, it's appealing. And the other thing that investment-minded people, and I would argue that all pre-sale buyers are investment minded, you know, trying to say that this, these guys are end users and these guys are investors. It's not it's binary. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Every pre-sale buyer, some of them are looking to rent it out for sure. Many of them are buying for themselves, but they're thinking investment. If they were thinking very short term and by investment, I guess I mean long term. They were thinking very short term, they would probably buy resale. There's probably an opportunity to buy the same floor plan used for cheaper in a similar building in the same neighborhood, probably. The long-term thinking, the investment-minded person likes the long-term aspect of pre-sale. They like new and they like that the market, they can fix the price and the market is going to continue going up over, call it the three or four years of construction. And there's a leverage factor there. And leverage is just the best aspect of investment in the world. In whether it's real estate or any type of investment, leverage is, is absolutely key. So a person who pays a 15% or even a 20% deposit over four years, you know, they might see a market going up 5% a year for four years. They might have actually earned a 100% return on their deposit at the time that they're completing on that home. And that's an amazing return. You know, getting 100% over four years is there is no other investment opportunity that compares to that. So investment-minded person buying pre-sale, whether they're an end user or looking to rent, is often thinking like that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny, like you think about if you're investor minded, so, if, you know, even if you pay a premium to buy pre-sale, you, you've got that two to four year window where you're, you don't have to do anything except for just meet the deposit schedule. And then you've got the two, five, 10 warranty to carry you for however long you're going to be holding the real estate. I mean, you, when, when you think like that, like from a long-term perspective and, and how limited your costs are going to be, paying the premium makes a lot of sense in many cases. Yeah, to everybody. certainly. Younger people totally get it, but even older people, you know, people's parents, for example, maybe before pre-sale was this idea that had to be explained a couple of times before it resonated. They'd never had that opportunity. So why would they have ever figured it out? Now they're getting more comfortable with it. And many, many parents are helping their kids buy, you know, hey, we'll give you that, that first 5% or that first 10% or we'll lend it to you or, or whatever, you know, the bank of mom is, 
is something that's real and mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more of it. Yeah. Well, we're okay with you in our basement for right now, yeah. but in the next two to four years, <laughs> yeah. we want you out. We'll pay almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about premiums? Yeah. One, of the, one of the other thing that's kind of interesting right now, and it's just thinking about the idea of leverage and 5% a year or whatever the market does, it is interesting to think of kind of the, the intelligence of the market generally that pre-sale is over the last year, 18 months, say, or at least 12 months is the demand is so high that they're, they're coming back like they were in 2015, 2016 in terms of popularity, selling things out in like a, a couple of days or, or a day in your case. But my thinking on that has always been, there's clearly a belief that three, four years from now, prices are going to be higher, right? Like that has to be kind of part of the calculation. And apart from talking to any one person that says, hey, you know, prices are going to go up by 5%, I think it's going to be 10% or I think it's going to go down. The intelligence of that whole market, it seems pretty clear to me that people think prices are still going to keep rising in Metro Vancouver. That's what I think. And that's what people think too. It's all certainly, I don't think anybody would buy presale if they didn't believe that. Right. That's, that's when it makes sense. That's right? a fundamental belief. I mean, and in that way, I think our part of this industry is sentiment based. You know, it's a good measure of sentiment. When things are, sales are brisk in the presale industry, I think it's a very strong indicator that the sentiment of the general public is very strong about where they think the market is going. And when things slow down, you know, it's the indication of the opposite. Mm. So with thinking in those terms, you guys have launched projects uh, in the last, say, year and sounds like Canby Corridor, Coquitlam, Surrey. What areas are you most excited about in Metro Vancouver? Like, where do you see the opportunities? Uh, Surrey is very exciting right now. We've had uh, seen a ton of demand there. I mean, Surrey is just a very exciting place to be. It's uh, the third fastest growing city in Canada, going to double in size by 2040. The municipality there is very aggressive in terms of solving the supply issue and bringing more projects on. And and it's got all the right things going for it. Other things going forward are, are just massive investment in infrastructure. And traditionally, thinking like all countries, all sort of times in history, Really savvy real estate investors follow government investment in infrastructure. Our recent two-day sellout of Okanonix was largely a result of the SkyTrain extension as an example of that. And there's just a ton of that type of thing happening in Surrey. Surrey used to be, you know, it was Surrey. It was sort of like a, a secondary market to Vancouver. And now that's changing. It's becoming, uh, it's growing faster. It's uh, booming economically and in every way. and and it's just becoming cool. There's a, frankly, a cool factor. Like at our upcoming launch, which is called Melrose in West Village on the west side of Surrey Center, it is attracting a very interesting crowd. It's an extremely cool crowd. It's a very young, sophisticated, you know, people that are, you know, owning businesses and kind of the movers and shakers of Surrey and people moving to Surrey. That's who's registering for the project. It's uh, that project in particular. I don't know if it's the style of the building or what is drawing this cool factor crowd, but it is extremely, it's actually the only project we've launched recently where um, uh, a young owner of a really exciting up and coming development firm, different one, is asked specifically if we could make sure that they get a home there because that's the building they want to be in. It's, uh, yeah, there's an attractor factor that's happening in Surrey for sure. I've never heard that before. A tractor factor? No. <laughs> well, actually, I, 
<laughs> that, that either. <laughs> Radical honesty is working. <laughs> yeah. What what other areas in the lower mainland and then also maybe because you guys cover BC, what other areas in the province are you excited about? Well, one area I am excited to see come back is downtown. You know, pandemic uh, really crushed that downtown market in uh, both segments, you know, resale, pre-sale. There hasn't been a lot of successful projects in the last few years just to be be open and honest. And to see the recent project launch downtown has been a, it's been a great surprise. I'm happy that is the the heart and the, the core of the lower mainland, right? It is, you know, you'll say I'm from Vancouver, but you know, you might be from Burnaby or wherever. Uh, so it's just really great to see that um, it's coming back strong. And so although, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pricey place, I'm glad to see that the, the city's back for mm-hmm. sure. Right on. Anywhere outside of BC, you guys are, are or outside of Vancouver? We're looking at new or markets. Sorry, not outside of BC. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. in BC, but yeah. outside of Metro Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking and talking. But for us to move on to Vancouver Island or into the interior, we just need to just be 100% sure. It's got to be the right developer, the right project. You know, we want to maintain our track record of success. And uh, we're not going to go to the trouble or take the risk until, again, we're innovative and creative, but we're actually very careful. Mm-hmm. So um, we have passed on a lot of opportunities. We'll get there eventually, but we're in no rush. We just, we love our clients. We love our projects. We have three more launches this year in Surrey, first Melrose, and then Victor, and then Flamingo, which is the first tower in the, um, in the insurer's master plan community in Wally. And in Vancouver, we have townhomes, three townhome projects coming from Sightline and a beautiful concrete carousel project called Carvin. You know, just thinking about, this is maybe just thinking about the idea of moving outside of the lower mainland and, and kind of what that in terms of energy and, and all the rest, what that actually takes, when does the relationship, and I know obviously Kia has long-term relationships, but when do you guys get involved with a project? Are you involved in, you know, does somebody come to you and say, Hey, we have, here's the plans. Can you sell it? Um, or are they saying, here's a site that we're considering purchasing? Like when, when do you get involved and kind of what is the, what is the, your role, I guess, overall as a part to kind of the actual sales? Um, as early as possible is the short answer. You know, the, the latest we've ever been hired is two weeks before the launch because the developer, for strategic reasons, decided it was Mosaic and they decided they wanted to sell three buildings at the same time instead of perhaps one this season, one next season, and one the season after. So that, that two week is the short-term record. Ideally, it's around the same time that the architect is hired, sometimes even before. And the reason is that we want to affect the design. We're in the market, in so many different markets, in so many different ways that we can, we figured out how to work well with developers in a complementary way. You know, architects are masterful, creative designers. The last thing in the world they want is to be told what to do by salespeople from their point of view. But we found a way through like a data forward, research forward approach to work with them to help them design the most appealing building, to provide uh, the types of homes and the sizes uh, and the level of finish and everything else that the market really, really wants. So the short answer is as early, early as possible. And, and I guess as a piggyback to that, you know, we've heard all sorts of things about how COVID's changing buying habits. Are you guys actually seeing that in, you know, say with Melrose and Surrey, but also the projects you've launched recently? Like, are people actually looking for more space or studios and one bed still very popular? Has that actually 
modified the way that you're advising builders? Yeah. And that's where it gets tricky because of the time factor involved. One reason why, you know, voice, one of our pandemic launches was successful was because that it was completely redesigned, you know, due to changes in the market, but that takes time. So we're trying to forecast the market a year or two out. If you're going to totally redesign a building, it might have to go back to the city and these type of things cause, cause huge delays. But in the current market, we are seeing interesting changes. Again, it's an interest in sort of, we want to be able to work from home. So we need space to be able to do that. We just want a little bit more elbow room in our home. We want perhaps to be able to walk more and commute less. All these things are, are becoming stronger factors in, in buyers buying decisions. And, and those, are, those demands are reflected in, uh, in the types of homes that we see sell, being sold and, and which ones are going faster. There's always room for the pure investor, you know, buying up the small studios and one bedrooms with a plan to rent them out. Those seem to always do well. I think it's the old notion of the cheapest house on the nicest street, you know, right. the smallest, lowest price, uh, smallest home in a building in a beautiful building is probably going to rent extremely well. Some people just need a place to live and, 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 and that's going to work out great for those investors. But the end users are definitely trending larger. Mm. Yeah, jumping on Cam's point there at our last uh, our last launch at Okanonics with ML Emporio, we definitely saw a big shift from me, the, the typical one-bed buyer, looking for that one bed and den. As Cam was saying, they want that home office. They uh, want to have the, the option or the person they might rent it to in the future. They want to have that option, a bit more room. So definitely still, it's not like not a whole building of three beds yet, but uh, we have seen a shift a little bit larger, especially in uh, the suburban market and user markets. Is your next launch, and maybe to focus on um, on you, Nick, and and uh, thinking about kind of what's what's coming? It sounds like the next project is Melrose. Is that correct? Correct. And and when is Melrose launching? Uh, we are at end of this month. End of this month. Yeah. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about starting price points and kind of the unit breakdowns? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we are starting from the mid three hundreds, and that will be our studio homes. For our one bed category, we'll be in the low four hundreds. Uh, the two beds will get up into the mid fives. Our two bed and dens will be the high sixes. And then we do have our buildings lined with some nice townhomes, ground to townhomes, and they will be in uh, the low eights. Overall, this building is actually 50% uh, two bedroom homes and then 36% ones and then uh, just under 10% for uh, studios and uh, a few of those townhomes as well. And again, just to, I know we were talking about it a little bit, but the, the location, mm-hmm. Can you talk about the location? Yeah, it's uh, it's West Village. So this has been an area I think is just so great in Surrey. This is right in the action. You have the schools, you have the shopping, you have the SkyTrain right at your front door. This is literally two, three blocks away. You're right at it. And what's nice is that, um, you know, I think it would maybe be six six years ago or, or so now, Surrey's first big tower boom happened, right? Where, uh, you know, Reliance had their project, there was Three Civic Plaza, so on and so forth. And so this area is a little more built up. It's not just a, um, you know, this big tower beside an empty lot and just open by itself. It's a little, you're getting that city atmosphere. And uh, that's what we're leaning on. Um, it is the most stylish uh, address in Surrey. And we're really leaning on the fact that this is going to be a great community. And it's more of a, it's a little, I don't see young, but it's maturing in a sense. You know, everybody listening who has been following the real estate market, I think has this question. And it's, I think it's a tough one to, to talk about, but access to these projects, like you sell out, you sell out uh, the last project in Surrey in a day. 
presumably you're expecting this to be very successful. I, I imagine people signing up on the website, you have massive numbers. What's the best strategy for, for anyone out there, you know, to, to have the best shot at getting a home? I think the, the single best thing anybody out there can do is to work with a realtor. You really, as a buyer, whether you're sophisticated or just getting into it, you really do need to have somebody looking out for your best interests. It doesn't cost you any more. You don't save any money by not doing it. It just makes sense. And the, and the governing bodies in BC, they really tightened things up over the last couple of years. And since then, we've seen nearly 100%, certainly over 95% of our buyers come in through agents. And the most successful agents fight hard for their clients. You know, access is a big deal. And I'm happy to talk about it. I actually don't feel awkward. The, uh, the access is granted to the top agents, the ones who fight the hardest for their clients um, to get them in first. Reality of uh, in these projects is that we escalate prices throughout the launch. You know, any it's just a normal thing when you when you when you first start selling. You know, you you're launching the project at a market price, and when demand is strong, you know prices escalate. So, the person who has a realtor looking out for their best interests and fighting hard for them, that not only do they get access to a building that's probably going to sell out quickly, like Melrose, but they probably get in early. While there's perhaps some incentives, sometimes a developer will offer incentives. Um, like I think Melrose is offering uh, zero assignment fees for people who might want to change their plans during the three or four years of uh, construction or might want to capitalize on an opportunity to flip and, and move into something else. There might be deposit incentives, uh, but having an agent fighting for you to get in early is the single best thing that a buyer can do. Radical honesty. I love it. <laughs> That's, it. That's what I'm it sounds in. like. <laughs> and then uh, just to just to uh, highlight as well, so you've got now Melrose coming. You mentioned two other projects that are kind of in queue. Yeah, we have uh, with our uh, our client Sightline, uh, we're relaunching their Just West project, and as well, we're going to be bringing to market another uh, Canby Corridor townhome project. So you're, now we're getting a bunch of those Phase Three projects people have right. been waiting for. A very great livable family product coming, um, and as well and in the heart of Carisdale, we have Carvin from Kenstone Properties. Uh, that's coming by the end of this year. Kenstone does beautiful work. Oh yeah, they like. You go into Beautiful. a built Kenstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you got to do yeah. end user. Check them out. And uh, looking back at Surrey, by the end of this year, we're also going to be launching Flamingo, the first tower of Char and Sethi's uh, Theon Share uh, master plan community. And right after uh, Melrose is Victor, also yes. from ML Emporio, the same developer of Melrose. Uh, it's a wood frame offering for people who want to, you know, live in a wood frame building, want a sooner completion. Fantastic. Well, I, I don't think we can let you guys go without a, a prediction on the market. We love to, we love to ask for your uh, crystal ball if you could bring them out now. Uh, what are your thoughts on where the market's going around next? Uh, next, well, the end of the year, the final quarter, U four, and then uh, also um, maybe one to three years. What's your outlook? I do have a crystal ball actually in my office. I literally have one. I've been asked the question so many times. I thought it would be funny to have one, and you can buy them on Amazon. It's yeah. not that hard. <laughs> I am extremely bullish on the market. You know, what I said earlier about the popularity of Vancouver, I, I look back on, you know, Vancouver's international brand from the Olympics in 2010 and um, what we've sort of accomplished, the sort of the reasons that new immigrants move to places like Vancouver is 
fresh mountain air. That's the perception, right? Clean water, great education system, great healthcare systems. These things have always been true and they have never been more true than now in a post-pandemic or world. I almost said the new normal, which I hate. I'll, I said it. I don't want to say it ever again. It just bugs me. But uh, in the post-pandemic world, uh, the things that have always made Vancouver, greater Vancouver, extremely appealing, fundamentally appealing, are now been pronounced and are stronger than ever. Plus, nobody has been able to come here for a year and a half. So once people start coming, you know, what's interesting that I found out, and I don't know that this is true, but I'm told, you know, um, over the past few months that the immigration process has continued. Um, the paperwork aspect, the approval, the applications and all that stuff has continued. I don't know why I thought it would stop. I don't know. I guess I just didn't think about it. But to think that that sort of bottleneck has had a, a one and a half year kind of head start uh, building up what's coming is very exciting. So I think there's a, a new, bigger wave of new immigrants coming that are going to, it's going to drive our market further. And so I'm telling everyone who will listen to buy now before that starts. You heard it here first, folks. Radical honesty. I love it. We have this segment called the Five Wire, five quick kind of lighthearted questions to end the show. Can you guys uh, stick around for that? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And we, we recognize it's hot in here. We're in the, uh, <laughs> what was the temporary podcast studio, which is now becoming the permanent podcast studio. It's so hot in here. And yeah, <laughs> it's tarps off almost, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's, got, it's gotten hotter as the hour has progressed. But um, first question, we'll start with, uh, with you, Cam. Uh, favorite bar or restaurant? Oh, I'm going to say, um, why don't you come back to me? Go, go to Nick on that one first. I think about uh, it. Favorite important. restaurant right now would be Adaz. It's new. It's in Chinatown. It's really great. Wow. What's it called? Ada. Ada. It uh, means hideout. And what kind of food? Um, he's from Northern India, but I would say it's definitely a fusion. It's great. Like they make all the sauces in house. We love like the plantain chips, like great lamb dish, great skewers. They have like happy hour skewer menu. We've kind of become a few of my friends have become friends with the owner and, you know, it's a very new place. So he's there oh. all the time. So we're just trying to pick through that menu and it's, you know, near the office and near my house. So it's, it's yeah. a go-to. At Chinatown, the, the amount of new restaurants and then now also kind of, I guess, just east of Maine with the Irish Heather and a lot of the Gastown bars moving in. Oh yeah, it's, those three blocks like Kiefer, Pender, uh, Georgia, they're, it's becoming a great nightlife community, great food, great bars. Awesome. Mine, mine's weird. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta plug, uh, I gotta plug Deacon's Corner. You know, it's a oh, greasy nice. spoon. It's, I love authenticity and it's an old school, authentic diner right across from our building in Gastown, the key center for real estate innovation. And Maine and Alexander, and I and I love it. Or there all the time, and uh, I love the people in there, and and the simplicity and purity of what it is. It's one of my favorite places. That's not where I thought Cam was going. No, oh, you thought I it was thought, douchey, and I was yeah, going to no, say no, like, no, the no, no, is, yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> I, I we've never had that, but I'm shocked we actually haven't had yeah. the Deacon's Corner. That's uh, oh, that's awesome. a great one. Favorite. Band or song, maybe starting with you, Nick. Right now, I would say it's the Chili Peppers. I just like, I went, I go on the Spotify and just like slamming that like button to all the songs. So I just keep going back to those like five, 10 and just listen over and over again. It's just upbeat. And I don't know, I'm just feeling that like funky Californian sound. I got to say, some people say we have like radio voices. I've heard that in the past. Um, Nick can guest host anytime I was gonna he say, wants. You've, you've almost talked your way into a job here uh, with the baritone. You sound like you should be introducing them on the station for sure. But uh, what about you, Cam? Uh, I would say 
it's whatever my kids are listening to that they're singing all the words to. I mean, that's what I, that's what I love the most. You know, I, I don't spend my spare time uh, listening to music. I'm always listening to podcasts, learning. And, um, and if I'm trying to chill out, I'm probably watching something on Netflix with subtitles and, and just learning through, you know, what, how they're making movies in Israel or, or Mexico and, and sort of getting a, a non-American perspective on the world through that. But in terms of music, yeah, it's, it's, it's in my car. I'm favoriting every song that my kids are singing to. I just love the sound of it. And your kids, again, they're, they're past the baby shark age, right? How, Thank God, where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Thank God. All right. Good, good. One book you would recommend? Uh, it's called Speed of Trust. Uh, we read it in, um, in preparation of one of our uh, quarterly retreats. And it actually ended up being one of our, we decided that we really resonated with the book and what it meant. It's just all about, um, you know, once you, in, in business, once you are build that, uh, so that trust, costs go down, approvals happen quicker, and you just have more, you've just built a stronger relationship with your teammates, with your clients. And so it's uh, highly recommend. I'm spacing on the author's name right now, but Speed of Trust. like it. Ah, oh, this one's weird too. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like not what. Anyways, it's uh, it's a book by Sam Cooper called Willful Blindness. It's for anybody who's really into the real estate industry or into, you know, what they've read about the sort of dark corners of the casino and some of the things that are going on. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I was trying... yeah he's a global uh, reporter, right? Sam Cooper? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he wrote these stories for years and, uh, I'm really having trouble getting through that book. You know, it's, um, it's tough. There's, there's just a ton of information in there. It's, um, it makes you just want to slit your wrists half the time and, and you have to just put it down and absorb it and keep pushing through. <laughs> but if you really want to see some of the uh, willful blindness and the corruption that's, that's happened in uh, the casino industry and understand kind of the money trail and some of those parts of our industry that I, that I don't like being a part of, like where does the money come from and all that type of stuff, that's probably the best thing for people to read. Ugh. Sorry. I'll wait to Christmas uh, break <laughs> yeah. for that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, one piece of advice that you give your 18-year-old self? Maybe like just stay the course. Uh, maybe take some more risks. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to sound cliche, but you definitely believe in yourself. Like you can, de- you can make things happen. And uh, mindset is everything. I totally believe that. And, um, you know, look out there for opportunities and keep your eyes open. It's funny we're we're big fans of picking up the phone and uh, and taking action and I mean that's a, a recurring theme on this podcast is just how important action is to take action and to mm-hmm. not uh, sit around and um, analysis paralysis but when I think about your story specifically Nick about taking action it's crazy what a Craigslist ad is going to say has led to right like inquiring or or picking up the phone is yeah. just uh, it's phenomenal and Cam for me it would be. Uh... When I was in business school at UVic, I, you know, tried to figure out how to buy a house to live in with some buddies, you know, how we could co-own a house in a way that would be easy if somebody graduated first and moved out. And, and with my dad being a lawyer, I kind of wasted a bit of his time trying to figure that out. And, and I got 80% of kind of the way there, but I never actually followed through with it. And had I done that, owning a house in Victoria at that time, you know, would have been an amazing investment and an amazing start. So I guess my advice to my 18-year-old self would be to just follow through on that and get into the property ladder as soon as you can. It would have been an amazing head start uh, for me and, and I think for many people. Time is just such a powerful, powerful thing in real estate. 
It reminds me of the Surrey market in 2013 when I said, nah, Surrey's going to blow up. And then I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> uh, we don't, it's hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> Last question uh, for you, Nick. What is something you have bought for under $1,500 recently that's had, uh, let's say, a revolutionary impact on your life or at least well, a positive Or a modest one. A positive okay, well, <laughs> a little silly, but uh, so on my uh, little vacation last week, we're going to the boonies. So I'm like, oh, I need a BB gun. I, I need to shoot beer cans with this <laughs> toy air rifle. Um, I, I told my girlfriend, she thought it was super silly. You know, whatever. I bought it anyway, 60 bucks, Canadian Tire. We go out there, we're shooting these beer cans, having a hell of a time. And then I go back to my parents' house uh, after our little vacation. And I got my mom shooting the cans, my brother shooting the cans. It's just like this little toy that, I don't know, it's just so basic. But we had uh, a great time with uh, $60 and some copper BBs. That actually sounds like an, an amazing <laughs> idea. <laughs> it does. We were away on the weekend. I feel like we found a tennis ball and passed it back and forth <laughs> for four hours. <laughs> and Cam? Um, it's going to be one of my electric kind of devices. I'm, I'm uh, an environmentalist and, and really excited. But we, our family's been driving all electric for five or more years. And um, now I'm super excited about the electric bike industry. There's companies now raising $150 million on multi-billion dollar valuations and electric bikes and new brands. I guess I spent 1200 bucks on uh, an electric scooter, which is just so much fun. You know, we keep it in our building and, you know, I can just be zipping to a meeting and it feels like I'm on some Mexican vacation or something. It's just an incredible amount of fun. And I know it's not original. There's so many people on them now, all these bike paths that have been getting built for so many years are, are making more sense now with these type of devices, but it's probably uh, that it's, if it's electric and rolling, I'm, I'm loving it. This is uh, we've talked about the one wheel on our podcast. <laughs> a lot of those Do you? Yeah. I, you know what I, we used to kind of make dorky because we used to make fun of them, but now I actually, I, I've watched some video on it the other day and I was like, this thing's kind of amazing. It's uh, it, it, you enjoy it. I'll sell you mine. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of over it. I've had it for uh, maybe four years or so, and um, it is not that awesome. You know, there's really? some, yeah, it's really, if you snowboard, it's like super buttery and soft, like it carves like that. And that yeah. feeling is amazing. But I've had three epic wipeouts on that thing. I, it, oh, it goes faster. It was oh, about me too. 25 kilometers or it's faster than I can run. So the problem is... Um, it's got one wheel, obviously. So when you lean forward, it accelerates to a certain point at which time it pushes you back by accelerating, but tilting you back. And if you ignore that, you should watch it on YouTube. You can go down some good rabbit holes on YouTube, watching people push past the safety barrier, at which case the inventors of that one wheel decided it should just turn off at 25 or more kilometers an oh hour. God. And uh, once, I've twice, I've kind of ran out of it, but a couple of times I've just done 25, 30 kilometers somersaults on concrete. And it's, uh, it's not that fun. I got to say you're, you're a masterful salesman, but that pitch was, I really don't want to, so I'd rather sell it to a stranger. <laughs> uh, last but not least, how can people find out more about key marketing and, uh, of course what you guys are up to and, and projects that you have coming forward? Uh, yeah, we're going to be launching our new website very, very shortly. So keymarketing.com uh, will be the best place. You can also catch us on our socials, uh, YVR Key Marketing. Yeah, just search up Key Marketing. You'll find us. 
And all of our upcoming projects are there. And our new launch, Melrose, I think uh, September 19th is when previews start. Our first uh, access to the sales center for public and agents will be at that time. And uh, leading up to kind of the start of sales around September 26th. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank, thank you so much for having you. or taking the time today, guys. Yeah, coming in. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank Thanks you. very much for having us. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Cam Good and Nick Campbell. So first of all, I want to say Nick Campbell's coming from my job. Uh, that baritone voice, unbelievable. Silky smooth. Yeah. He's I like mean, the when Barry he was White talking, of I was like, are you putting this on? Like, this is, this is it, he's a got real radio voice. I, I kind of felt like we were slighting Cam a bit, not talking about how good his voice is. Cam's got a good voice. But Nick's voice is legitimately, like, you want to listen to Nick on a podcast when you're sleepy. I feel like he's he should double as the guy who reads audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a sleep app where somebody reads things to put you to sleep. Like Nick could, I, I mean, it was a scintillating conversation. Don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. But he's got that that type of voice where I was like, man, Silky I could. Silky is the word. I Silky could, is the word. I could close my eyes. Yeah. And and you did. You slept through the last <laughs> Well, it didn't help that it was 38 above in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was pretty hot in the studio. It's always hot in this studio. So we got to get that figured out for sure. But Matt, what else do we got for today? We've, we've got, of course, the project that we talked about. So this um, is... Yes, Melrose. So this is right at Surrey City Center. This area is just exploding. But right. like we've said on the show before, believe the hype. Yeah. Surrey is the third fastest growing municipality in Canada. This is right by the Simon Fraser University Surrey campus. This makes a lot of sense. Previews are next weekend. If you're interested in VIP access, head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up for the live wire. We're going to have it on the live wire next week. We are also going to send out an email specifically for Melrose. Very exciting project. Don't miss out on that. Yeah, for sure. And also, I just want to say the the investors looking and the end users, I loved Cam's way of talking about how everybody that buys presale is really an investor-minded buyer. That was a great takeaway. I, I loved, there's a couple things here, like the idea of why investors gravitate toward pre-sale. He kind of framed it in a unique way. Yep. But also the idea, that idea that you just mentioned that everybody buying pre-sale has to have an investment mindset. And what does this say for the market when the market is crushing through pre-sales right yeah. now? I mean, yeah. people are bullish on the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other big takeaway for me was radical honesty. Um, We've already started it. Yeah, you got a real bacon collar <laughs> shirt on today. We're going to need you to iron that out. Is that, is that safe? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> was I have to go home? Yeah, you got to go home. Oh. We're going to have to, we're going to have to leave it there. But how can you, I'm just kidding. It's not a bacon collar. Am I kidding? <laughs> Radical honesty. I have no idea. <laughs> um, what else do we got on for today? Yeah, what else do we have today, Adam? Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where you can sign up for things like the Livewire. This is where all things real estate related live and you get a e weekly email in your inbox. The reason you want to be on the Livewire, of course, our catalog, stats before anyone else, deal of the month, but also... VIP access to pre-sales like Melrose. This is exactly why if you signed up months ago and you're not even listening, you're going to get this deal put in front of you and the access that it brings. Absolutely. We also have, and just a quick question here. Did you wear deodorant? <laughs> okay. 
Really? Is this is this still radical just, honesty? It's just is this it's like plus forty in here. Can can yeah? And I did wear deodorant. Yeah, it's it's uh, deodorant doesn't help. No, I'm just kidding. Radical just kidding. honesty. Yeah, radical honesty. All right, go hey, ahead. Sorry, one more thing. VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We have private client services. Of course, as well. Yeah. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips. All you got to do is sign up on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for your free account, private client services. Man, the facelift on private client services. You know, speaking of facelifts, you need one. Um, just, just kidding. Radical honesty. Uh, anything else we got for today? How can people get in touch with you? I wonder if, if <laughs> just a brow if Botox. marketing. It's like you just walk in there and it's like radical honesty. Just means, means, the, 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 just the, saying like mean things. I, it you know, doesn't it's work like in you, our office. Yeah, when you go, I feel like there's people in my life in the past where they go, "I'm just being honest." And yeah, you're like that's not helpful. That's yeah. not helpful. No, I think they mean it though in terms of. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a. They have a positive spin. And on you know it, what I it guess. would take away from, which would be is the passive aggressiveness thing. If you work with passive aggressive people, radical um, honesty, radical <laughs> honesty probably helps them help you to understand why they're they have such a weird way about them. Absolutely. Not to say that passive aggressive is, but there's a lot of passive aggressive. Yeah. People hey, yeah. let's just say if you want to talk about that radical honesty or anything else, yeah. Melrose PCS, anything real estate related, of course. Give me a shout, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And don't fear, the Kokomo is returning. We have a couple of banging guests coming up. Yes. They're, they're lined up over the next couple of weeks in various stages of the pursuit of Kokomo. So stay tuned for those. And uh, next week, we promise, Brendan Augmentson, Chief Economist of the BCREA. Speaking about radical honesty. Oh, that, that was a great. It's, it's, yeah. It's, if, yeah, set your, set your calendar for next week's episode because it's a fantastic one. And also, if there's not a more interesting music suggestion than Brendan's, oh, specifically right. the, the second one. <laughs> he, he has a few, but we'll, we'll save it for next week. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Enjoy your week, guys. And uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? 
honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 